And welcome to Ray Mahoven. This is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MS Marriage and Family Therapy. And I'm so happy that tonight we are having a special live open mic night. Yes, I've been talking about this for quite a while. And all, this, all, all those of you who've been texting me and calling me, tonight is the night. What are we doing? What we're doing is we're taking all your parenting and marriage questions. But before I even start, I just want to introduce my most amazing darling wife, Rebitzin, Devira Greenfield, MSSAS, who's a parenting expert and educator for over 20 years. My wife holds a master's degree in school administration and supervision. Some of you actually know her from a local school. I'm not going to say the name. Local school here. Here in Flatbush, I know a lot of you know her. She was assistant principal, and now she serves as principal in an elementary school in New Jersey. Who's going to be joining me and answering all your parenting and marriage questions? Before I introduce my wife, I just want to let everybody know that you can hear us on jradio.com, also at 712-432-4217. You can text in your questions. I'm already getting texts. So those of you who have questions that you want to text. 347-927-8398, 347-927-8398. I really hope I'll be able to answer all the questions tonight. Bears is Hashem. Or you can call in at 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. And now, no further ado, I introduce my darling wife, Rebitson Devira Greenfield. Thank you. It is a pleasure to be here. All I can tell you is, what we want to talk about tonight, and I can't tell you that I have all the answers. I'm just going to share with you whatever I do, whatever I do know, and what through consultation and through working with children in schools, and through being a parent myself. However, I can help others to reach their children and to be successful at parenting. I'm happy to do that. So, really, the question that we want to answer to begin with okay. is, what's the purpose of parenthood? Okay, what? so we're so we're basically we're trying to basically focus on what the purpose of. I, I want I'm going to interrupt my wife for just a second. And by the way, you don't do this. You do not interrupt your wife. Okay, <laughs> but I I'm allowed to. I'm I'm the marriage therapist. Okay, so I'm going to interrupt. I'm, not, I'm just going to say something. Yes, she's she's very humble. She's going to tell you she's not going to have all the answers to all the questions. She might not know. Ladies and gentlemen, be ready for some very powerful answers here tonight. Number one. Number Thank two. The second me. thing I want to tell you. Is that uh, is is that we're going to give everybody opportunity to ask all the questions? And I just I forgot to mention, very important. Those of you who feel uncomfortable to call in your marriage questions, you can definitely text me your marriage questions. It might actually be preferable to text in your marriage questions. I have a bunch of questions we're going to address. And secondly, those of you who want to ask your parenting questions, you can call in. So either call in or text in. Hun, I am so sorry for interrupting you. Go ahead and uh, tell us what you want to tell us as far as the purpose of parenting. Go ahead. So, what is the purpose of parenthood? So think to yourselves, really, what is your purpose of parenthood? So I would say that the purpose of parenting is to raise a child to be a valued member of society, somebody that has successful relationships with Hashem, with themselves, and with others someone that's able to function in society in a healthy way. Now, I asked this question to a sixth grader. Okay. I said, what do you think is the purpose of parenthood? Right. So that's listening to a child's perspective on this. Uh -huh. And it was very fascinating to hear what she said to me was, and I quote, the purpose of parenthood, parenthood 
is to teach children how to act. You are the role model. And that's very powerful because mm -hmm. that's really what we are as parents. Right. We are the role model. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if we're the role model and our purpose is to raise children to be successful in their relationships and successful in society, so how do we do that? Children need to feel loved and children need to feel validated. Okay. Now there are different expressions of love. So let's, let's focus on that okay. tonight. So you can care for your child's physical needs. You can care for your child's emotional needs and care for your child's spiritual needs. Mm -hmm. those, those are three expressions of love to your children. Mm -hmm. So what do we mean by caring for physical needs? Mm -hmm. Rebruvain Feinstein has a famous story that he says about Reb Moshe, how Reb Moshe used to take his pants, mm -hmm. put them on the heater. So it's a beautiful story because that shows that Reb Moshe cared about Reb Ruvain's physical needs. We're talking about Reb Moshe Feinstein. Feinstein's yeah. a child. Used to take, used to take yeah. his child's pants yes. overnight. They used to live, actually, those of you who don't know, they used to live in the Lower East Side, and it yeah. gets pretty cold there in the apartment buildings. Um, David's shaking his head. He might know. But in any case, um, he used to take the pants of his child, Reb Ruvain, who Reb Ruvain finds right now, takes his pants, puts it on the heater, so the next morning he could put his, he could, when, he, when he's getting dressed, he's going to feel warm. Right, but you know what, honey? That's what? not just a story. Right. Because in the morning, when my girls get up in the morning, right. I take their sweatshirts, right. their, their zip-up um, velour sweatshirts, part of their uniform, right. I throw them in the dryer, uh -huh. and it's a great way to get them out of bed. Right. Who's ready for their sweatshirt? And then in a winter's morning, to put on a nice warm sweatshirt, Right. that's what I learned from this story. You're caring for your child's physical needs. Right, okay. In a loving way. Okay. And they feel that love. They uh -huh. feel that love. Uh-huh. Uh -huh. Then we can go on to caring for your child's emotional needs. Right. So it's so important. I was just at a workshop by Rabbi Rietti, Rabbi okay. Jonathan Rietti. Right. And he was saying, so what is emotion? Where, where, how can you connect to a child's emotional needs? Right. And he was saying how important eye contact is and how a lave the word lave really is brain. Because okay. that's where your neshama is. Uh -huh. So if you're driving with your child in the car right. and you're fiddling with the radio uh -huh. and then your phone rings right. and now you're on the phone, uh -huh. which I'm sure nobody ever does. No, but I, I never do that. Of course right. not. Okay, yeah. <laughs> but where are you? Where Where are you? Are you spending time with your kid? No. <laughs> are you listening to the radio? Where, what, where are you? So you are where your brain is. Right. And if we can focus on that, that to give our children... Right. To care for their emotional needs, mm -hmm. we really have to be there. So if you're at a dinner table, shut your phone. If you're sitting with your child, giving them, saying a bedtime story, make eye contact. That physical touch and their emotional needs are being met because you've shut your phone and your brain to, right. is with them. Right. right. Yeah, I want to add to this. This is like the biggest pet peeve. Ladies and gentlemen, I know I speak about this all the time. If you're spending quality time with your spouse, I practically plead with you, turn off the phone. And I mean turn it off, not silence, not buzz, because your spouse knows all about it. Generally, it's generally the guy's problem. I'm sorry, guys. It's Yes, it's us who have those phones on, and our wives are like, can you please turn off that phone? Because you know, I've had it over okay, here. but it's hard, though. Right. We're all addicted to technology. We are. We are. That's we true. We are. So it's very that's difficult. True. We can't say, oh, it's easy to do this. It's okay. a challenge. It's a challenge. But we also have to be realistic with ourselves. Okay. 
Okay, great, great, great. I, 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 we're running. You know, we have very little time. Texts are coming. I just want to read a couple of texts here for Can you. Can I just do one last thing? Oh, absolutely. And that is caring for spiritual needs. Yes, go it's ahead. It's so important to care for your child's spiritual needs uh-huh. as a role model. Yes. To show your child, honey, the one one of the really great things that I love about you yeah. is you are so real. When you hear that someone's sick, or when you hear that someone's in in a bad position. You stop what you're doing and you'll say a capital of tell him. And I've seen you do this. Okay, this was not scripted, David. We're on live radio here, right? Okay, watch out. No, it's not scripted. I think scripted, no one can see it... me blush over here. Okay, go ahead. You don't yes. have to blush, but <laughs> yes. caring for a child's spiritual needs, yes. that is modeling for the child. You know, when our when our daughter turned twelve, we made a siyum on Halichas Bas Yisrael. That's an amazing book. For because, those who don't have this amazing yes, book, it's a amazing fantastic book, book because yes, yes. she knows exactly what she's responsible and where to look it up if she has a question. Uh huh. And the school that you send your children to, it's so important that you are on the same page as the educators that are working with your child throughout the day. Right. Because if you're doing one thing at home. And your child is hearing something else in school, that is really that's 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 not healthy. Right. That's right. not caring for your child's spiritual needs. And it's important for everybody to be on the same page. And I I, I I'm not doubling that, I'm tripling that. But I'm going to read a couple of tests. Texts over here, okay. You got no me with that uh, to Hill and things. So now there's get back. No way. I'm reading this text. No way. I never knew Mrs. Greenfield was the Rebison over here. We love Mrs. Greenfield. <laughs> we miss her like crazy, Miss Harris. Oh, don't say that. Mrs. Greenfield is the best. Okay, that's one text. And here, here comes another one. She sounds like an amazing teacher. I wish she would have taught me. Is this show live? Yes, this show is live. And call in with your question. Now's a great time to call in. 718-683-5858. That's 718-683-5858. You ready? I just want to say thank you. Are you ready for the first question? Yes, I just want to say thank you, though. Thank you so much for your your beautiful texts. And uh, yes, my girls and stars, I visited them today. So it was right. really great to see them. Right, Ms. Soros definitely does miss you. Okay, next. Here's the first question. My daughter is in seventh grade and says two of her teachers hate her. What should I do? Okay, well, first of all, I feel so bad for your daughter that she feels this way. Mm-hmm. So the first thing you should do is validate her feelings. Because to argue with her and to tell her that, you know, you shouldn't feel that way or teachers don't hate anybody... All that other, you know, that might come later. But first of all, validate your daughter that she feels this way. That's terrible. No one should go to school and feel that someone else doesn't like them or doesn't want to be in their presence. That's a terrible feeling. And to have to go through that for the rest of the year. So that's number one. You could really validate her and tell her that you feel terrible, that she feels this way and that this this happened to her. And then you need to tell her that life is a Nisayon and this is her Nisayon now. And what can we do? She has to focus on always being respectful. She has to focus on being respectful and on making sure that even if she feels this way, she is still giving cover to the teacher and being respectful and doing what the teacher wants her to do. And then... I could just tell you one other thing that worked, that someone was consulting with me about a child that they had that was actually a boy in sixth grade. And this young man loved Judaic studies and felt that 
general studies was horrible. He hated his teacher. His teacher wasn't fair. This young boy actually had a very strong sense of what's fair. Mm-hmm. He had a very strong sense of what's fair. And he felt this was not fair. So um, that mother, I ended up you know, speaking with her. And we said, you know what? The best thing for you to do is call the teacher but not to run and, oh my gosh, my son feels you're not fair. Not that. But just to state the case. Just the teacher is aware that this boy is sitting in his classroom day after day, miserable. Right. So that's what this mother did. She okay. called the teacher. And she said, listen, you know, so-and-so, I just want to let you know, my son, he's very happy in the morning. Mm-hmm. Comes the afternoon, I don't know what happens. Mm-hmm. He is miserable. Mm-hmm. And you know what? After a few days, her son came back to her and said things had improved. Because the teacher wasn't blamed, so the teacher wasn't looking to make excuses. Right. And the teacher, you know, teachers, we don't give them enough credit because they're there not to make tons of money. They're there to help us grow Akarish Baruch's children, these neshamas. Uh So once this teacher... It was pointed out to this teacher from this mother that this child is miserable. So he was able to turn around the situation. And Baruch Hashem, the child was much happier. So that's the third thing that this parent should do. After validating her daughter and after encouraging her daughter by telling her, you still have an obligation to be respectful to these teachers. And by helping her, I know how hard it is. Then she could also call the teacher just to say, I don't know what's going on. I I'm not sure why, but my child is very sad. Right. And then Bezrat Hashem, HaKadosh Baruch will help that teacher because no teacher wants to, to hear that there's a child in her class that's not happy. Right, right. That's true. That's true. I, remember, I remember that story, actually. It's very interesting. Um, okay, we have another text here. I am going to read it. This actually questions about, is a marriage question. Um, once again, our phone number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. Thank you, Rabbi Greenfield, for your inspiring she or am I reading this? I really appreciate the opportunity to ask questions. My question is, how could how could I deal positively, positively with a situation like when my husband speaks to me and my daughter, four years old, in the same level? Uh-huh, okay. A package arrives for both of us. He could give it to her, or if he gets a cute clip on his phone, he'll show it to her when I'm right there. Looking forward to your answer. Okay, this is a great question. This is a really great question. And I will answer it like this. First of all, I feel so bad for her. I do feel bad for her. This is, this is I mean, you can only imagine, you know, there you have the wife and it's like a package comes and then just, the, how old is this kid? One second. Did she say four? Four years old? Okay, four-year-old. You have a four-year-old who is basically um, t- on top of the hierarchy over here. So what do you do? Okay, question number one. Here's, here's I'm going to answer the question, but I, I, it's important to listen to, to the way we, we, we structure it. Number one is like this. Why do you think, and I'm sorry to ask this question, but why do you think that your husband is showing the four-year-old the clip 
or the package before you? There must be a question. So, you know, say, oh, he's just, he's just a horrible guy. I don't know my husband. You should just meet him. Oh, my gosh. And, okay, I'm just sharing some of my experiences in counseling. No, but what I'm saying to you is that That's sometimes terrible. I know, but you say, I want to say one thing. You would have not have married him if he was if he was this terrible, terrible person. There's no question about it. You saw something in him, and he's a nice guy. And I'm sure to everybody else, he's the most wonderful person. But when it comes to his wife, he just like sort of like puts her on the bottom of the totem pole. So let's think: Why is he not? Is it possible? Is it possible that you are possibly not giving him as much as a response that he would like? You know, Simcha Kohen Eretz Yisrael says, your husband does something, don't just put him on a pedestal. Give him the feeling as if he saved your life. I know it's ridiculous. Ladies are listening to this, they're like, come on, Rabbi, are you serious? Just like, for what? Yes, he shows you a clip. Uh, this is not a hetero for clips here, people. It's okay, David, don't laugh. He shows you a clip. Wow, that is, that, is, that is so cute. I really like that. That's great. Or he comes with a package. Wow, let me see what you got over there. He, he's, he's seeking that attention. Yes, ladies, husbands seek attention as well. He's seeking that attention. He wants to feel like, wow, what do you think? This is cool, no? What's his primary need? I speak about this all the time, those of you who listen to me. What's the husband's primary need? Husband's primary need is to feel validated. So he, sh- he shows you a clip. That is, where'd you get that? Wow, who sent you that? This is great. I love this. I love this clip. But you know what? That sounds great, but how do you solve the problem? Ladies and gentlemen, I speak about this all the time. Car, car, car. What is car? First, connect to him. What are you going to come to him and say to him? I, or I should say, whoever's asking this question, I don't know your name, but you're going to go over to him and say to him, can I ask you a question, Moshe? Do you think it's nice that, you know, when you have this clip, you show it to, to our little daughter Shifra before you show it to me? I'm asking you a question. You think it's nice, huh? 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 Or, or you go over to him and say, oh, very nice. Show her the clip. Show her the clip. I'm nothing here, right? I'm, I'm a goonish. Very good. Or, how would you like it if I would have a clip, and instead of showing it to you, I would show it to my mother? Huh? How would you like that? Instead, please, I beg of you, go over to your husband, say to him, you know, you probably don't realize it. I say this all the time, those of you who listen to me. You probably don't realize it. But when you take this video clip and you show it to our little daughter, Shifra, it makes me feel like, it makes me feel like you don't really care about me. It just makes me feel... Brother Greenfield, you really want me to speak like that to my husband? Yes, that's exactly how I want you to speak. I want you to say that. You probably don't realize it, but it makes me feel very uncomfortable. Next step, I'm about to tell you, ladies and gentlemen, is probably the most difficult step. Accept rejection. Say to your husband, I guarantee this is going to work, by the way, almost like 99%, this definitely works. Accept rejection. Say, husband, Moshe, Yaakov, honey, whatever you call your darling husband, say to him, if you can't do this, I understand. Now, I know that in your mind you're thinking, what do you mean if you can't do it? It's this problem. Just show me this stupid video clip or just give me the package. Why is he giving it to a four-year-old daughter? Say to him, trust me on this one. Say to him, if you can't do this, I understand. Sort of like give him that option. Now he's the motive and now he chooses. But it will really make me happy. You know, I say this all the time. It will really make me happy if you do that. It's funny. I'm sitting here with my wife, the Rebbitson. And I will tell you something. She does this to me all the time. And she gets whatever she wants. She just says to me, it will really make me happy. I would really appreciate it. And I'll actually share something with my audience a second. Oh, gosh. Okay, we don't have much time. I'm going to share this. I was actually giving a class in the summer. And my wife was running this retreat. For those of you who know her, you know what retreat I'm talking about. And I was giving this class, and she wanted me to end the class. She comes over to me, and she says to me, 
says to me, this is the middle of the class, says, honey, if, honey, it'll really make me happy if you can end soon. And it was funny, it was, I was just talking to ladies about this, and that's exactly what she came to say. So the proof is in the pudding. She's right here. And you're the best. Okay, now, what we are going to do is we have another question here, text. This question is for you. question is like this. Is it ever okay? This is from, uh, this is from Miriam. Is it ever okay to hit your child? Ever okay to hit your child? That's a loaded question. Is it ever okay to hit a child? Wow. Okay, well, listen. A child that runs into the street, and is putting themselves in danger and can't understand if you're going to sit and explain something to this child, maybe the child is two years old, to give a child a little patch, that's something different, I think, than to hit a child. And... You need to figure out what your purpose is because really when we are raising children, if we could just keep our eye on the ball, then we would be raising our children the way we want them to come out. So if we could just wrap our head around what is the end result we want from this child. So if you have so much anger in you for something that the child did and that's the way you're going to release your anger, so that's completely wrong and that's never acceptable. But... Hopefully, because, I mean, if we could keep our eye on the ball, what we want from this child and the whole picture of the child, then I don't think hitting has a place in raising a child. Right, right, right. And that's, that's, I, I, I uh, well, I have to agree, right? I have to agree with the rabbits and I have not much of a choice over here. No, I definitely agree. Yeah, I don't have a choice. Okay. You see, Please, you, if you, you don't hear agree. that, everyone? I have a choice. And that's true. Yes. We have a choice to disagree, but we don't say, no, you're wrong. What we say is, that's a very good point. I love that. But if you have another point, though, I want to hear it. I don't have another point. I think that was great. I'm going to read you a couple of texts over here. Again, the phone number here is 718-683-5858-718-683-5858. I'm going to a couple of texts here. Um, here, actually about that other question that they had about her daughter, somebody writes to me here, maybe her daughter demands a lot of attention, so he's just trying to show her the daughter attention, she shouldn't be jealous. Some fathers don't spend time with kids. Some, he's, some fathers don't spend time, so she, he's just trying, I love, I love the guys like to stick up, this is definitely a man who wrote this. But in any case, that's what he writes. You know and what you know, though, he has yeah. a good point. He has a good point, right? He really does have a good point, and you okay. know what? Yeah. Maybe this wife right. can say to her husband right right um she can say something like when you show this text to our daughter okay is that your way of spending time with our daughter because sometimes that makes me feel like i come second so can you show you know me or maybe that listen maybe he could show the daughter clips that are appropriate for her for a four-year-old right to give her the attention so why would i don't know why she would feel to give her the attention yeah, to give her she the attention happy that her that her husband and her daughter have a good relationship. Right, right, right. I got something else over here. Compliments to the Greenfield. You guys have amazing conversations together. You should roll them out alive every week. Okay. Oh, okay. This is very nice. What? Okay, fine. We have another one here. Okay, David's saying another one. We have another one here. A little bit down here. Oh, gosh. Hold on. Let's see if we can't find it. No, I don't see it. You're going to show them to me later. But I have another question here. It's like this. This is a loaded question. Ladies and gentlemen, listen to this. this. This is probably, I think, this is, for those of you who have teens, we are going to hit a very dangerous territory right now. Oh, no. Because you know how difficult teenagers are. Those are we teen- ready? Teenagers, teenagers who are listening. I hope teenagers. you're going to have fun with this question. If your teenager does something you really don't like, 
what is there to do? And then it, it elaborates. Do you step back? Do you watch your child drown in the water of guilt? And sin? Okay, that's an interesting one. That's a dramatic question. Uh, It's dramatic because teenagers are not so easy today. Okay, yes, go ahead. (laughs) That is true. So We have teens, by the way, people. Okay, go ahead, yes. (laughs) Chaste Hashem. Do you watch your child? Okay, so really, if your child's a teenager already, Mm -hmm. um, I hope that you've put in so much time and your communication with your child has been developed to a point where your child has inside of him what's the difference between what's right and what's wrong. Because once they're a teenager, you're limited in what you can do. You can guide your child, but your child now has choices to make. And you can hope that you've put in enough that he's going to he or she is going to make the right choices but sometimes children um affect the rest of the family and that's a conversation you have to have with your other kids let me ask you a question you know and this is this is obviously a rhetorical question but i'm going to ask you a question you have many, and I know a lot of people are listening to this. There are t- some teenagers out there who, you know, start rebelling, whatnot, and they start they start testing their parents, trying to do different things, and the other kids are, you know, seeing this. So you're let, you're letting them do it. And by the way, ladies and gentlemen, I, I just want to repeat what my wife, what the Rebbitson said here tonight. This is very very important. Sweetheart, just remember, I'm the Rebbitson because you're the rabbi. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fine. So. What she's saying is, this is this is pivotal. This is pivotal. What she's saying here is that if you have teenagers, once it gets to a certain age, you have to let go. Yes. You must let go because it's their it's their nisayon now. Right. It's not right. your nisayon. It's not your nisayon anymore. You passed that stage already. So you have to let go. You have to let go. And I should tell you, I actually spoke to a teenager when I did my teenager show. I spoke to a teenager about it. He said, you know what the problem with my parents is? I said to him, what's the problem? So my parents is they feel guilty that it's their fault that I am the way I am. They got to let go of that guilt. That's the guilt that's eating at them. It's not your fault. You've done everything that you can. Teenagers are teenagers. We have iPhones, iPads, social networks, whatnot. Your teenager is going to test you. And by the way, Derek Agav, ladies and gentlemen, most of those teenagers are going to end up on the straight and narrow. I'm telling you because I work with teenagers as well. Most of those teenagers are going to end up on the straight and narrow. Don't worry about your teenager. Yes, It'll but work don't out. stop davening. What if you want to? What if? What if, the, what if the kid doesn't wake up on time for davening? What do you do? Okay, well, sweetheart. Yeah. Waking up on time <laughs> for davening yes. is an isayon between. The child uh-huh. and Hakadosh Baruch Hu. Okay. So if your child asks you for help, uh-huh. if your child says, "I really want to make the minion tomorrow, uh-huh. mommy, please make sure I get up." Okay. Or if your child says, "You know, when I'm at yeshiva, right. my friend brings me a cup of coffee and bread in bed every morning. Uh-huh. I drink the coffee and I'm able to get out of bed, ma. Could you do that for me tomorrow?" So. That's a whole different ball game than here's my cup of negavasa water and it's going to be on your head if you don't get I'm trying to declare what you're yes. saying basically is, is that their, they should le- let their children just sleep it out. What I'm saying, honey, yeah, yes, is that it all depends on the child. Right. hanar al pidarko. Right. 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 So that's from Mishle. Mm-hmm. That's King. Mm-hmm. You know, Mel- Mel- Shlomo. I'm not. Here to you know rewrite right, the book. Right. So 
you need to know your child, but there definitely reaches a point where it is not your responsibility exactly. that this child gets exactly. to shoot. I hope everybody's listening to this because I, I'm, I deal with a lot of parents and this is, this is the point I just wanted you to say. Ladies and gentlemen, just let go. I don't mean let go, let them come in with, you know, with, with mohawks and tattoos. I'm not, you know I, what? Some people are up to that point right? and that's they true. also have to that, let go. That's true. That's true. That's true. But my problem today are the parents are not letting go. And instead of letting go, and the most important part is validation. If you ask, you know what? Here's the test. Everybody's listening to this. Here's the test. You want to know if your teenager is doing good? Don't ask him this question, but here's answer this question. If someone would come over to your child and ask them, ask him or ask her, what does your father think about you? What does your mother think about you? The truth. Not whether your mother loves you or father loves Oh, my father loves me. My mother loves me. What does your mother think about? What does your father think about? Dads who are listening to this. This is pivotal. What does your dad think about you? What's your son going to answer? Is he going to say that my son is, that, is he going to say that my father is, for lack of a better term, machshiv me? Does he think that I'm like, does he, that I'm something? Does he validate me? Does he think I'm a, I'm a epis as if to say? I'm, I'm a something? If the answer is yes, then you're good. If the answer is I'm not sure, we have a problem. What does your mother think about you? I don't really know what she thinks okay, about me. Okay, but honey, you know yeah. what? This yeah. is something that's in parenting from right. a very young age. Right. How do you show love to a child? Uh-huh. So we were talking about physical, how you care for their physical needs. Right. Ask them what they like for supper. Uh-huh. Try to get them involved. I'll never forget. I uh-huh. was trying to do this. Uh-huh. And one of my, my children, I said, oh, maybe we should invite Shabbos guests. And one mm-hmm. of my children took my phone right. and texted mm-hmm. um, a relative of mine. Of ours. Right, right, right. And oh boy, the wow. next thing I knew, I yes. get a text back, oh, you want us to come for Shabbos? We would love to come. Right, right. And okay. I was like, I guess I deserve that because <laughs> here I am saying, to, you know, and this child was young enough that she didn't understand that maybe we should ask before we just, but she took me at my word. Who should we invite for Shabbos? Right. And I let it go mm-hmm. because I wanted to give her that feeling of, yes, you have a say in this family. Mm-hmm. So even at, at a young age, let them have a say. What would you like to make? What do you want? I had I had a child start baking cookies, my to Shabbos. Mm-hmm. And she went to her friend's house and her, she came back and she said, Mommy, my friend's mother could not believe that you allowed me to make cookies, my to Shabbos. And I looked at her and I said, well, this is your kitchen just as much as it's my kitchen. You clean up after yourself. Why wouldn't I allow you to make cookies? And it made her feel so good. This is her kitchen. She lives here. She's a person, even if she's not the same age as me. She has feelings. She has hopes. She has dreams. As much as I don't have to say no to them, I really try with my own children. And I tell other people also, if there's not a reason to say no, say yes. Say yes, have a good time. And the most important thing, to show your children that you love them and that you care about them and that you really think about them. When you do things for them or when you're involved with doing things for your children, you can tell them, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. When you're changing a child's diaper and you tell another child, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy to be doing this. I wouldn't rather be anywhere else. I'll never forget when I first said that to somebody and they said, are you crazy? And I said, you know what? Baruch Hashem, all of his systems work. So, no, I'm not crazy. What would I rather be doing with a healthy, normal child? Baruch Hashem. Really? That's really, I, if I'm sitting with a child reading a story, 
Or if I'm shopping with a teenager for boots and she's making me crazy. It doesn't matter. Because really, I wouldn't rather be doing anything else. And that's powerful. To tell your child in the good moments, I'm so happy we're here in the pizza store together. I wouldn't rather be anywhere else. And you shut the phone. There you go. There you Mm -hmm. go. Your child Mm -hmm. knows that you wouldn't rather be doing anything else with anyone else. When you smile at your child, smile at your child and make eye contact. There is, that is so powerful to smile at your child and make eye contact with your child. Catch him doing or her doing good things. Tell your child, I, every Friday before I leave to work, I leave a note on my refrigerator. And this is what it says. It says, whoever would like to extend their life, these are things that need to be done for Shabbos. And on that list is take in the garbage can, unload the, the dishwasher, sweep the kitchen floor, whatever I didn't get a chance to do yet that is on my list to do when I come home, that is what makes it on the Shabbos list. And I leave a little space for initials so that I know at the Shabbos table exactly who to thank. And then I can share with my husband and I can say, you know, honey, so-and-so unloaded the dishwasher for us. And so-and-so did, did all of these different jobs. This is what we do. And this is how you build your children because you're giving them a choice. I'm not telling you what to do. If you don't do it, I will do it happily. We're giving them schar. Obviously, we have from the Torah. What is the reward for listening to your parents? Extending your life on the world. That's not a joke. That's talk, talk. That's, that's it. So who wants to extend your, their life in this world? Take out the garbage. That's all. So really, this is ways that you can build your children and their confidence and bring out the specialness of each and every one of your kids. All right. Okay. Both of you who are listening to this, I know that a lot of you are listening to this and saying like, okay, this sounds like great advice. Does she actually do all this? I am here to testify. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Yes. Everything. And we had those people over for Shabbos, those people who my kids texted. We did. Okay. And you know who set the linen on the beds because mommy didn't have a chance? Right. Right. They did. Right. The exactly. kids did. Exactly. And you know who made the extra dessert? Not exactly. me. Exactly. So they <laughs> felt, but you know what? They were part of our my household. It wasn't just me running the show. The children are a part of your household. Make them an integral part of your household. That will make them feel good. And anyway, what's the point of parenthood? Said so they'll grow up and you want to be the one that's being invited for Shabbos, right? Exactly. So, exactly. you know, this is great. This is real training. Exactly. For those of you who are joining us now or a little before, because we haven't done the intros for a long time, it, um, this is Rabbi Yitz Greenfield, MSMFT, and Rebitson Devira Greenfield, MSSAS. Those of you who have questions, don't be shy. You can call. I'm getting a lot of texts here, but not a lot of phone calls. You can definitely call 718 683 5858. That's 718 718- Six eight three five eight five eight. Here's another text. Say a husband is in his cave mode, and the wife, not understanding, tries harder and harder to bring him out of cave mode while driving him further in. How should he respond? Okay, that's the question again. Say a husband is in a cave mode. Your wife, not understanding, tries harder and harder to bring him out while driving him further in. 
How should he respond? I'm going to respond to this. This is a very interesting question. I've got these questions often enough to me respond. The, the most important thing, and this is obviously a man who's asking this, is don't reject your wife. When she comes to, to get you and say, hello, um, are you going to finish the computer soon? Uh, what are you doing? You, are you going to come? We're having supper now. Supper, right? This is what I, the complaints I get from the men all the time. We're having supper now, right? First of all, this should be worked out before. You should know how long cave mode is. How long is cave mode in your house? Is it five minutes, 10 minutes, even 15 minutes? There should be a set time. Create those boundaries in your house. After those 15 minutes, the caveman comes out of his cave and rejoins the family. But most important, Mr. Caveman, that is do not reject your wife. Don't say to her, can you please stop it? Like, please, just stop it. Can you please stop? So that's not it. Don't reject. It'll only make matters worse. What you want to do is you want to reassure. Reassure your wife. And I'm going to tell you exactly what to say to your wife. And this is like proven and more than proven. And my Rebbitzin could actually attest to this, whether this works. But this is what you do. Never reject. Never say, no, what are you doing? What's going on? Instead, say the following. Say, I would love to spend time with you, but I'm going to need another 15 minutes. That's it. I would love to spend time with you, but I am going to need another 15 minutes. This way your wife knows. You want to spend time with her. It's fine. You're there for her. It's okay. You'll be there in a second. You want to spend time with her because you know what your wife is feeling? Your wife is feeling you're not really interested. You're like, okay, I'll do you the favor. Fine, okay, let's spend some time together. Okay, let's get it over with. Okay, fine. We're going to move on. We have a call. And Yossi, hi, you're on with Rabbi and Rebbitzin Greenfield. How are you? What's your question? Good question to you. I have a neighbor in my building who me and my wife are trying to help out, where the husband is a very, very understanding guy, and the wife believes empathy is fake. Uh, it's something that never... How can you teach someone who didn't grow up with empathy in their own house the idea of empathy and understanding and validating... Okay, first of all, I just want to tell you, I, I love the question. And the reason I love the question is because what I'm hearing from you is that you are in, in, in a building, and there's somebody else that, that's in your building, and I, I don't know if they're good friends of you or not, but they just live in the same building, and you see that there is issues, and you want to help. You really want to help. You, you, you know, instead of like, oh, there we go again, this and that, you're, you want to help them, and you want to do what you can. And what you're saying is that you're seeing that there's a lack of empathy, and you want to sort of motivate them for empathy. Rebison, what do you think? Right, I mean, obviously I'm not a therapist, I'm not trying to take the role, but I'm trying to understand, is there such a concept as teaching empathy at all? Is there, all right, is there a concept of teaching empathy? And that's, that, that's a great question. That's a great question. So, so what, what you want to do, what you want to do, I would say, is you, other than role modeling, you want him to get starts to start thinking about certain situations where, he, this, now who, who needs the empathy? It's the man or the woman? The woman has no empathy. She grew up in a house where you feel bad, so feel bad. You, you feel like uh, you feel like you had a rough day at work. So have a rough day. It's a big deal. Like everything's what's a big deal. And he's like the sensitive type. He understands. He wants to be understood. And she's like, just grow up. 
Right, 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 right. Okay, so th- I would say this two two step process. Number one is there's I would say, there's no such a thing as no empathy. A person with no empathy, we call that narcissistic. <laughs> Those are people who actually have no empathy. My, my 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 guess is that there is some empathy, but it's on a very low level. It's a low level empathy. We'll just just get over it. Come on, let's let's not make a big deal out of it. Let's just move on. And and if 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 you or uh, I don't know if you're married or not. But if, if yeah, you, okay, so you, you rub it in or whoever could speak to her and, and to say to her as follows, just try to, try to inquire about things that, that, that she would have empathy upon. And I would say if they're married, do they have children? No. They don't have children. Okay, fine. So I would I would try to find something that she would need empathy in. If Chas Shalom something were if she were to get sick, or if Chas Shalom she get into a big fight, or if something would happen, would that be would it be important for you that that your husband would care about it, or would you rather him just completely completely ignore it? So you have to find those. Everybody's got that point where. Unless, again, unless it's narcissism, I don't think it is, because generally they're not. It's hard to find these narcissistic, though I've run across some of them. But right, the it, problem is she, she has a, a version of what's normal and what's not normal. So my guess is, now I, I know him, I don't know her, she'd probably say something along the lines of, well, getting sick is a normal thing, and a boss not chewing you nicely is a stupid thing, because getting sick, you actually need to own, and a boss, you know, not chewing you nicely, big deal, pick your pants and I move on. So that's basically what's been happening. She has her vision of how things are supposed to be, and... You know, I'll convey whatever doesn't fit into it. Right. So I, I'm going to tell you something, and then, and then the rabbit is going to add to this, and, and that is try to f- try to find an area where try to find an area where she would have empathy, and start getting her to realize that empathy is not necessarily a. You see, what the problem over here, and, I, and I, I'm hearing you say it in your question, the problem here is that for her, this is normal not to have empathy. That's how she grew up, that it's normal. So so what we want to do is we find those little nook that she does have empathy on and say, well, do you think it would be normal to have empathy if someone was, let's say, laying in a bed in a hospital or whatever it is? Would you have, so for sure I would have empathy, that's different. And then sort of like work yourself up from there and to try to build on the empathy, number one. Number two, I would think what would work even better is and again, I would say something for your Ebbetson as opposed to you, in her conversations with her to start giving her empathy. Start that if your Ebbetson could speak to her and let's talk to her and then she talks about something, oh, you know, this is happening. You go, oh boy, that's crazy. Oh my gosh. How did you feel about that? Then she starts getting used to, wow, this this is what empathy is all about. Not even saying this role modeling and, you, and then that sort of builds on the empathy. Clearly, this is something that a therapist would be best for, but this is what you could do from your side. My wife, the Robinson, wants to add a little bit to this. Add, yes. She's probably not doing it to hurt anyone's feelings. She probably really just grew up in an environment that she did not get empathy and then it wasn't a normal thing to give people empathy. You just go, get, on, get over it. You know, go on. So if he could... Um, communicate with her that the same way the way you speak to a man this a lot of times it works with a woman also that I understand that you didn't grow up with her with this not to be judgmental like you're not normal that you don't give me empathy nothing like that I understand that you did not grow up with this but I did grow up with this my mother always gave me empathy my parents always gave each other empathy so if you can do this for me. That would mean a lot for, to me. And if she, if he can communicate to her that this would mean a lot to him, and this is the reactions that he's used to, and when it 
at first she starts doing it and it sounds a little stilted because she's just trying for you. Build her up. I appreciate that you're trying. Thank you very much. I feel better. This way you're giving your wife tools how to reach you, how to make you feel better. And if she understands that this is what I need, I understand that this is not something that you need. You have different needs. This is what I need. I would really appreciate it. You know, let's try maybe a little bit. This way you're not judging her. And she's able to work with you as a team. Maybe they can work together. What do you think? I, 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 well, I really, I truly, genuinely agree with you. And I want to add this piece. Listening to this, it's gonna be awkward at first. Yeah, it's gonna be awkward. And and if it's not gonna be genuine, that's okay. It's okay as if the empathy is not genuine. I say this all times to the couples. You're gonna plug into skills and tools, and it's gonna feel so funny, so awkward. Oh, you're doing this because you heard it on the radio show? Who cares? Who cares? Just do it. And before you know it, you get used to it. And the emp- in this case, the empathy, the empathy is gonna build. Yes. And before you know, and the- it'll come naturally. Right? And, the and then Bez Ratashem, when awesome. they have children, it'll be easier for her to give to the children because she's developed this skill. Because it is a very important skill to emphasize with right. those around you. Right, right. I'm going to read, I'm going to read some questions here. We're getting texts. And again, the phone number here is 718. We are getting so many texts. Phone number is 718-683-5858. We like hearing your voices. 718-683-5858. Here's the question. My son has sensory and hyperactive issues, so I need to discipline him more than most kids. How do I show him my love despite all the timeouts and the punishments? Should I read it again? Yeah. Say one more time, everybody hears it. My son has sensory and hyperactive issues, so I need to discipline him more than most kids. How do I show him my love despite all the timeouts and punishments he gets? What do you think? Okay, so I think that we have to go back to what are the expressions of love? Caring for their physical needs. When mm-hmm. you put away your child's laundry, you mm-hmm. can say to him, I'm so happy that you have clean laundry. Genuine. Okay. I mean, you did the laundry. You might as well do it with a smile. Right. That child might as well feel cared for and uh-huh. loved that they have sweet-smelling clothing in their drawer. So caring and caring for their physical needs. You have a lot of things that you can do to care for your child's physical needs. Take him out for ice cream. Care for his physical needs with a smile. Give, make him his favorite supper. That has nothing to do with how many time, timeouts you had to give him. Right. I want to yeah. chime in. I want to chime in. You yeah. said something. Take him out for ice cream. Those of you who have teenagers who are defiant, those of you who are listening to this and have defiant teenagers, what I'm about to say, you're not going to want to do, but I can almost guarantee you this is like, this is, this will make you the superhero. Here's what you do. Your teenagers who are defiant, you go over to them and you shock them and you say to them, Moshe, Leah, uh, Yaakov, um, I wanted to go out with you a little bit too. Maybe have a coffee. What do you think? Now the kids are gonna look at you and say, Ta, are you serious? Like what what happened to you? No, no. How about we go spend some time together for an ice cream, for a coffee, sit and talk. I'm telling you, ladies and gentlemen, your your kids are gonna look at you like, Ta, <laughs> what is this? But ultimately you push them, you go with them. I I can tell you relationships with teenagers that have completely transformed because of a weekly coffee or a weekly. Um, and the Red Bee doesn't call anymore and the principal doesn't call anymore and there's no social problems. It's all that coffee, that once a week coffee. I've seen this a lot. Okay. Here One we, second, let's yeah. just keep going. So you care for their physical needs. Yes. Sorry, when you're with yes, your yes, child, yes. make eye contact. Shut the phone. These are your child this is your child's time. If it's a small child, 
have them have a bedtime story every night. It's so important to have bedtime rituals. So keep those bedtime rituals with your child. That has nothing to do with him being hyperactive. Your bedtime, I mean, unless you want to have your bedtime ritual, you know, have him jump on the trampoline. Right. But really, (laughs) but you know what? If that's what he needs, if he'll go to sleep after that, I mean, I find that that will uh, rile them up more. But bedtime rituals, things that will slow them down. If you have a rocking chair in your house, you can sit on the rocking chair, have your child sit on your lap, read your child a story. And of course, their spiritual needs. I mean, if you hear, every time we see Hatzalah, my children and I, we say a cup itself to him. Right. The Chavra Hatzalah asked us to do that. Mm-hmm. So of course we do that. And this is something we do together. If your child wants, I mean, if your child's learning certain Gemara, if your child is learning certain Mishnayis, if your child's learning a certain Chumash, have in your house something with the English, something to help them. Whatever it is that's helping them with their spiritual needs, this is ways that your child feels your love for them. Right, right. A- absolutely. I, I got to read this to you. This is a funny question. Yeah. You're going to get it like this. Okay. I-, I don't know if this, I don't think this is a joke. Maybe it is a joke, but I like this. My husband wants me to turn off the radio and talk to him now, but I really want to hear the rest of the show. <laughs> what should I do? Turn off the radio. <laughs> okay. Turn off the radio. No one in this world is more important than your husband. Turn off the radio and go over to him and you say, you are so important to me, much more important to me than listening to a show. Right, right, right. We actually, in other words, so that's what, funny. That's what do I funny. Do? What do I do every time we're in the car? My husband listens to the radio or, or does other stuff and doesn't understand why it's not good enough for me. Why I feel like he isn't interested in spending time with me. Of course, me. because we're is a person. Right. That's we're what you were saying person. before. That's what you were a saying person before. A person is there in their brain. Where your brain is, that's where you are. So people tend to feel, oh, I spent time with my child. But hello, if you were on the phone 15 out of the 30 minutes you spent with your kid, you actually didn't spend that time with your kid. Right. So the same thing with spouses. Right. You didn't spend, you you can't get out of the car and say, oh, we just spent a half hour together. No, you didn't. Uh-huh. You definitely uh-huh. didn't. Unless the radio is on a low volume and it's a, a station that you both want to listen to. It's something that's relaxing and you're able to have a conversation then you didn't spend time with your wife if you were on the phone, if you were listening to the radio and it's turned up and no one can talk to each other. Well, then your brain was listening to the song or on the phone. Unless you are cued in to your spouse or to your child, don't count that as quality time because it's not. And you're fooling yourself if you think that it is. Right, right, right. I, I got to read this one. This is a loaded one, and we're running out yeah. of time. Uh, again, uh, phone we have number five seven. Five minutes. One, okay, seven, maybe less here. Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. Seven one eight six eight three five eight five eight. This is actually uh, this is a loaded question. Yeah. Um. And and I don't know who's writing this. Let me just read this. Hold on here a second. Here, here. There is a sense. No, here we go. Um. Okay. You feel that you're about to lose control, and and you need to you need to protect yourself as your wife is getting on your nerves um, is there is there a way to, to to talk to her with the children around okay I want to I want to preface this with something that I've been wanting to say for such a long time but this is a great question I just want to say like this, ladies and gentlemen, I know that there are a lot of quote unquote experts out there that are telling you that it's okay to fight in front of the children, Oh my God. that it's okay. I've actually read this in a magazine. Really? 
twice, a pretty prestigious That's one. Horrible. And I've and I've and I've actually heard it from someone who was who was supposedly an expert in the field that was saying that Maybe it's okay. Maybe they that your role model. And what they—that's exactly what they were saying. So I, I, let me just, let's, let's get one thing clear. Then first that's of all, a, an argument. Precisely, and I want to say first of all, you never ever fight, number one. If you're going to do something, you're going to negotiate and not fight. But you're going to say, Rabbi Greenfield, come on, everybody fights. So you know what? Fine. Let's say you're fighting and that's the way you work out your differences. Never in front of the children, despite what you read in magazines and all these experts are telling you, you are not to fight in front of the children. Absolutely not. If you have an issue, you say to your wife, Devorah, Sarah, Miriam, can I please talk to you for a second? And you deal with it in the kitchen or upstairs if you can't control yourself. And let me tell you why. Because you are going to cause your children anxiety, a loss of sense of security. They are going to feel uncomfortable about it and they're going to be, oh my gosh, what's happening with mommy and daddy? It is not role modeling. And now, even if, and those of you who listen to my shows, you know how I speak about negotiation all the time? You want to negotiate? Not in front of your children. If they see that daddy goes to mommy and says, excuse me, can we talk for a second? Or mommy goes to mommy, can we talk to that? That's what they need to see. The negotiation process, they'll get in premarital counseling. We do not do this in front of the children. You are destroying your children. I'm sorry, I know I sound very tough now. But you are really you know destroying what? your children when you are fighting in front of your children. Your children are seeing this, and then you wonder, why am I getting phone calls from the Rebbe? Why is the principal calling me to come down? I'm telling you cases which I see all the time. It's all starting with your shalom bias. Please, I almost beg of you, keep it away from the children. You don't want to keep, you do, you do not want to do this with the children. We are running out of time. I am going to take one more question over here that I have. I have over here. Is it possible to show love while disciplining? This is a great question. I'm just leave with this. Is it possible to show love while you're disciplining your child? Of Are they not mutually exclusive? <laughs> Again, is it possible to show love? This is for you, Rabbits in Greenfield. Is it possible to show love while disciplining disciplining your child? Are they mutually exclusive? So, of Inclusive? course, yes. it's possible to show love while disciplining your child. And that's even in school, if I'm disciplining a child. You should never discipline a child and make that child feel that they are nothing. A child always still needs to have their sense of self and their sense of self-respect. So, when you discipline your child, you can say, so-and-so, I'm so disappointed. I'm so upset about what happened. And then you can say, this is the consequence to your actions. Plain and simple. I still love the child. Of course you still love your child. Your child made a mistake. Your child is not their mistake. Your child is not the action that they did. Your child is your is 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 your is still your child and they should always feel your love. So you can say I am disappointed in what you did. This action has consequences, just like good actions have good consequences. Bad actions have bad consequences. Consequences. You made a bad choice, sweetheart. So this is the consequences. Preferably the, the child should know the consequences beforehand. But you know what? Even if they didn't, this is the consequences to your action. That has nothing to do with my love for you. I still love you. We're gonna we're gonna wrap this thing. We're gonna wrap up, even though we have a bunch of questions here. Maybe next time we were gonna try to get the rabbits in here once a month. We will see. <laughs> we will beg. We will plead. But I will tell you like this. I just want to wrap wrap up before what you're saying. What you're saying, I, I just have to add to this because I see people in my office who have issues where they just don't know where to go with their emotions, their self esteem, their self worth, all because this is what happened to them when they were kids. Their parents, where they disciplined them, instead of saying to them, "I love you," but you made a mistake, and this is the consequence. Instead, the parents would rip at them. Either 
either chas v'shalom hit them, and even if not hitting them, just attack them and say, I can't believe what you did. I can't believe that you aren't going to sleep on time. Why aren't you going to sleep on time? Or I can't believe why you spilled the lemonade, or I can't believe why uh, why you failed the test. First of all, the poor kid failed the test. I mean, that's what we're going to scream at our children for. But that sense of I can't believe, that makes the child feel worthless. The child doesn't know that he's did, he or she did something wrong. All the child knows is, I am a horrible person. Yeah. And this is what they carry along with them. And then when they're in a relationship with their husband or their wife and their wife yeah. attacks them, they feel like FS, they feel like nothing. And that's where all the problems arise. We have more questions. We just don't have time. <laughs> so thank though, you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for have thank thank you for listening to us. This has been Rabbi and Rebitson Greenfield. Tune in next week. I don't don't think the Rebitson's gonna be here. Maybe next month she'll be here. And thank you for listening to Ray Mahoven on J Root Radio. Thank you and have an amazing, amazing week.